like Susie said, my name is Tando, and um, it's kind of half the story. My full name is Tando Loenkosi. That is 14 letters, six syllables. So you, can, um, you can tell that my parents are African. Any person that's got African parents in the room, I might just, <laughs> I might be alone. That's amazing. It's good to be here. And um, I, I'm so grateful for things like this, for, for youth leaders who take out their time, who put us on buses or however you have got here and drive us down and it's so that we get to a chance to be here and experience the love of God. So I want to say a huge thank you to all the youth leaders in the room. So if you're a youth leader, ever been a youth leader, I'm going to ask you to stand just for 10 seconds and um, the rest of us, come on, let's celebrate our youth leaders. Let's say thank you to them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I need you to know I'm only here because of my original youth pastor, Pastor Lawrence. He's just over there. Let's give him a quick round of applause. He's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. You can take your seats. It's so good. It's so good to be here. And um, like Susie said, uh, our churches are super close. So I feel like family with you guys from Vineyard now. So uh, you guys can call me T. So everyone just say hi, T. One, two, three. Okay, I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. This is... This is a great time, and um, I'm excited to speak. I'm going to be speaking about Joseph's life, and I'm going to be speaking about a specific point in Joseph's life where his brothers, they throw him in a pit, and they're, they're about to sell him uh, into slavery, which is kind of like the, the down bit in Joseph's story. So I'm just going to read a few verses from Genesis chapter 37, and then we're going to get into it. Does that sound okay, DTI? Thank you so much. Okay, so to set the scene, Joseph's dad has just asked him to go look for his brothers and let him know how his brothers are doing. So he's, he's on a hunt to find where his brothers are. So Genesis 37, and we're going to read from verse um, 16. Onwards, He can't find his brother, so he bumps into someone, and this is where we find it. It says, uh, I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock, looking after the sheep. And the man said to him, they have gone to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Verse 18, they saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, he, he, they conspired against him. To kill him. We're going to press pause there for a second. Joseph's brothers saw him from a long way off and they conspired against him. I don't know if anyone's got any siblings in the room, anyone's got a younger brother, older brother, or sister. Have you ever, let's be honest, have you ever conspired against your brother or your sister? Have you ever planned to do something against them? Thank you for your honesty. Real quick, I just want to be honest because we're family. I need to tell you, I've got a younger sister, five years younger than me. And a few years ago, I conspired against her. And I just feel like I need to confess what happened. Um, like I said, um, I've got African parents. So my parents love like planting. Your parents might love this, even if they're from the UK. Love planting like vegetables and stuff in the garden, right? So my dad had tomatoes, potatoes, loads of different things in the garden. So it was mine and my sister's job to water the vegetables in the garden, right? So I was at the mains and the tap. My sister was watering, and she had the hose end of the tap. And I have to be honest, I started to conspire against my sister 
in that moment and uh, I turned off the mains and my sister said, oh no, the water's stopped. I said, maybe there's a stone in it. So she opened her eye to check inside the hose and I'm not going to lie, I put it on full blast and it went straight into her eye. I conspired. I conspired against my sister. You know what, whilst we're here, one more story. feel like this is helpful for me. I once, does everyone, everyone know what a pinky promise is? Everyone know what a pinky promise? Just double check if the person next to you knows what a pinky promise is and just do a quick pinky lock with them. Just check. I am... Um, I once told my little sister when she was about eight years old that if you break your pinky promise, that you have to cut off your little finger so that you don't promise anymore. And uh, I remember my mom calling me into the kitchen, angry with me, giving me the full name, Tandoluenkosi, gave me the full name because my sister was there with a knife, crying her eyes out because she thought she had to cut off her finger conspired. I know we're family, so I'm being honest, but Jesus has done a work in my heart since then. So we're grateful. But Joseph's brothers saw him from afar and they conspired against him. And they didn't just conspire to put some water in his eye. They didn't just tell him a, a, a funny lie that might get him to hurt himself. They conspired to kill him is what the Bible says. Verse 19, they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And, when we, and then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we'll see what has become of his dreams then. So clearly they're jealous, they don't like him, they want to get rid of him. Verse 21, Joseph's life gets saved, but when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, let's not take his life. Reuben said to him, shed no blood. Let's just throw him into the pit here in the wilderness. Don't lay a hand on him. The Bible lets us know that he said this, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. Verse 23, that when Joseph came to his brothers, they took off his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And when they took him, then they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat. And then looking up, there was this group, the Bible says, of Ishmaelites coming up from Gilead and with their camels. And they had gum and balm and myrrh. And they were carrying it on the way to Egypt, verse 26. And then Judah, brother number two, trying to help Joseph, said to his brothers, let's not kill him. What will it profit us if we kill our brother and conceal the blood? Come, let us sell him to these guys. Let not our hand be upon him, because he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brother. Listen to him. And that's how Joseph ends up in slavery. The title of my message this morning is Never Let Me Down. Everyone say, Never Let Me Down. One, two, three. Never Let Me Down. Thank you so much. I'm excited to speak. And... Um, Let's just put ourselves in Joseph's shoes for just a second. Imagine your brothers and sisters turn on you and they throw you into a pit that you can't get out of. This is a serious low point for Joseph, not just physically because he was at the bottom of this pit that he couldn't climb out of, but obviously emotionally as well, his brothers have just rejected him. 
They've taken his favorite coat and stripped it off him. They've stolen something from him. Joseph's probably in this moment worried about his future. If I was Joseph, I'd be thinking, what is going to happen to me? In this moment, his, his brothers have let him down. And I don't know if you've ever been in a moment where you would feel like it's a really low moment, where you feel like, actually, I've been let down by somebody. Maybe you know what it's like to, to tell a secret to someone and say, please don't tell anybody. And then you find out a few days or hours or weeks later that they've told some people and now loads of people know about that thing and you never wanted them to know and somebody's let you, let you down. I know for some of us, maybe you've had that experience where you've come home one day and you thought it was a normal day, but mom and dad sit you down and let you know that they're going to separate. And in that moment, you feel like stuff at home has, has let you down. And you know what it's like to be in a real low moment in life. That was, that was Joseph's situation. He hit a low moment in life. Maybe you've had a moment where you're like, this is so difficult that I wish that I could just snap my fingers and it would all be different. That my, my situation, whether it's this exams coming up, whether it's stuff at home, whether it's stuff that's happening on a WhatsApp group that you feel left out of and you're like, ah, this is difficult. I wish it could be so different. I wonder today whether you've ever felt let down by life, whether you've ever been in a moment where you feel at rock bottom. Maybe you've done something before where you're like, actually, Tando, it wasn't my home situation. It wasn't my friends. It wasn't the difficulty of my exams. Actually, I feel like I've done something and I've let myself down. And you feel like you've made a mistake and you wish that if you could just go back, you wouldn't say that or you wouldn't do that. You know what it's like to, to feel like you've let yourself down. And I'm wondering to myself, what do you do when you feel like life has let you down? If you're writing notes, that can be the first question you ask yourself. What do you do when you feel like life has let you down? Do you do, you do what the rest of the world does and think, okay, cool, uh, to make sure that I'm going to be okay, I need to make sure I get a good education so I can get a good job, so I can have enough money to pay my way out of any problems that might come. And that's my plan I'm going to set up so I've got enough resources to sort myself out. Or maybe for you, it's like if I've got enough friends, then I've got somebody that I can call. And in that way, I'll never be so low that I can't get out of it because I've got all of these friends that I can call in the moment where I feel like life has let me down. But Joseph found himself in a situation where he couldn't phone a friend, that he couldn't rely on his family, where no amount of money was about to get him out of this pit. And he's stuck in this pit. So what do you do when you feel stuck and life has let you down? Where you can't pay your way out of this issue. Where none of your friends can help you because it's not a problem on the outside. It's something on the inside. And no matter how much they encourage you, you still feel like there's something missing. And you still don't feel like it's all going to be okay. What do you do when the normal things that we would usually go to to sort us out can't? help us. 
when getting an extra like on Instagram doesn't fix that need to be accepted on the inside. When having more followers doesn't make you feel like actually I'm accepted. It's never enough. I always need, I always need more. What do you do when you're in that moment? Let's look back at Joseph's life. Verse 21, I, I said I love it and I do. Verse 21, it says this, but when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands. Everyone say, Reuben rescued him. One, two, three, Reuben rescued him. And I want us to remember this brother because we're going to just jump in and do a little bit and look a little bit deeper at this idea that Reuben helped rescue Joseph. And uh, I'm not sure if anyone's called Reuben in the room, but um, Reuben actually means behold a son. Reuben means behold a son. So if we take that sentence that we've all just said, Reuben rescued him, and change it for what it means, it's this, behold, a son rescued him. Behold, a son rescued him. And for those of us who maybe you've been in church around Christmas time, you might be able to finish this verse off. It's from Isaiah 9, verse 6. It says, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. I think this is a picture of what the whole Bible is about. I think it's a picture of the fact that when we find ourselves in a mess that we can't get out of ourselves, that behold, a son will rescue us. That Jesus, the Son of God, the light of the world, the one who has that reckless love that we've been singing about, is the one that can rescue you from a situation that no one else can help with, the situation where you're, you, you're separated from God and the Bible calls it sin, that you actually need someone else. It's, you, there's no amount of money that can save you a, a, in that moment. There is no friend that can come and save you. Actually, in that moment, you need a son to rescue you. And that's exactly what Jesus does where we may have let ourselves down and the Bible calls it sin and it separates us from God and we needed someone to stand in the gap. We needed someone to make it right and there was no amount of money, friends, family that could sort it out for us. We needed a savior and his name is Jesus. And I find it, I find it so amazing that Jesus will even rescue us when we've got ourselves into that situation where we've messed up and we've sinned and I said that wrong thing and I lied and I hurt my sister. But Jesus, even for the mess that I make, Jesus still says, you know what, I'm wanting to, to rescue you. I find it absolutely crazy. Even when I've been horrible to Jesus and I've said awful things, he still wants to rescue me. In fact, when um, one of my favorite bits in the Bible is when Jesus is on the cross. We've just been thinking about it over Easter. And whilst he's on the cross, whilst these Roman soldiers are watching him die, 
Jesus says this phrase, and it's one of his last words that he ever says. And whilst we're here, I think last words are really important, and last things in general are important. You may have heard it in history when it's like, what is a famous last word? from this person, but um, I'll prove it in a different way. Maybe you're like me, when you have a lot of food, you uh, save the best bit until last. I don't know if anybody is like that, some of the guys down at the front. Like when I eat my KFC bucket of chicken, I always leave the best piece of chicken till last, ladies and gentlemen. Or when I have like a slice of pizza, I kind of assess it, see what's got the most amount of pepperoni on it, and I leave the best slice until last. Is anybody with me? Leave the best until, until last. And it's like when you're watching either, whether it's a TV series on Netflix, or whether it's Avengers, it's like the best is until last. I don't know if anyone's watched Endgame. Please, no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. Leave the best, <laughs> leave the best until last. And I love in Jesus' last words, whilst he's on the cross, being killed by these Roman soldiers, people watching him die, I wonder to myself, what's Jesus going to say? What's his last words going to be? And it's amazing, Jesus is on the cross, he's got nails in his hands and his feet, and some of his last words, he says this, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I don't know if you ever read the Bible like I do sometimes where I think that's not the line that you're meant to say, Jesus, in that moment. I don't know if I would say that if I was on the cross and people were killing me. I would not be saying, Father, forgive them. I would be saying, Father, fight them. Fight him, fight him, and especially him. That's what would be on my mind. I'd be saying, Jesus, when you write the guest list to heaven, Father, forget them. Forget him, forget him, and especially him. But Jesus doesn't do that because Jesus, behold, a son has rescued us. He looked at the Roman soldiers that were killing him, and his thoughts was not, how can I get back at them, but how can I rescue them? Father, Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I love this. Verse 22, back to Reuben. And Reuben, and behold, a son said, shed no blood. Instead, throw him into the pit. Don't lay a hand on him. And what did he want to do? He wanted to rescue him out of their hand and restore him to their father. That's exactly what Jesus wants to do for our lives. He wants to rescue us. And he wants to restore us to our Father. Reuben said, don't shed any blood. But Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to shed my blood on their behalf. Reuben said, let's not take his life. But Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to give my life. It's like that Hunger Games moment where Jesus says, you know what, actually, I volunteer in tribute. You were there, about to go, about to be stuck, about to be killed for the wrong things that we've done. But Jesus says, actually, no, I'll step in. I'll step in instead. What an amazing, what an amazing thing. What an amazing savior that Jesus wants to rescue us. But then I'm reading this story and I'm reading this and I'm like, great, Reuben, thank you for saving Joseph's life, but he's still in the pit. So now his brothers haven't killed him, but he still finds himself in this low moment. 
and maybe you're here and you've given your life to Jesus. You've said sorry for all the wrong things that you've done and you've experienced that feeling of forgiveness, that sense that Jesus loves me and everything's been made right, yet you still find yourself in low moments. You still find yourself anxious, thinking about the future. You still find yourself in moments where you feel rejected, where you feel let down by life, and you're glad that you're still alive, and you're glad that your eternity is secure, and that Jesus has paid the price for your sin, but you wonder to yourself, but what about my situation? What about this thing that I'm going through, Jesus? Uh, can you help with this? Do you care about what's going on at home? Do you care about the difficulty that I'm finding at school? Thank you for dying for my sin, but what about my situation? And I, I want to I speak to us for a few moments because there was another brother that helped Joseph in this moment, and his name was Judah. Everyone say Judah. One, two, three, Judah. And I want to let you know, Judah has this moment, and it's in about verse 26 to 28, and the band can start to get up and join me. Uh, Judah gets Joseph out of the pit. He says, let's not kill him. And it, it then says, the brothers listened to him, and they took him out of the pit. That he has this moment where he's at this low moment in life, but Judah helps get him out of the pit. And Judah means praise. That's what the word Judah means. So we see, behold, a son helps and rescues Joseph, but then praise gets him out of the pit. Praise gets him out of the pit. And I want to let you know today that praise isn't just singing some songs. Praise isn't just, oh, I like this tune. Praise is declaring the truth. Praise is not just singing a tune. Praise is declaring the truth. And I want to speak to us today to help us to know what's happening when we sing these songs. Because maybe you've been in a low moment where you think, can God still love me after I've done this? But my heart would be that praise would rise up in your heart that you'd begin singing, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And you'd know that actually there's, there's no mountain he wouldn't climb up to come after you. There's, there's no wall he wouldn't kick down to come after you. And, and maybe that's why we sing these songs where you think, actually, Lord, do I have a place at your table, God? Do I fit in? in church, that I'd want you to have a moment where you begin to sing, in my father's house, there's a place for me, I'm a child of God, yes I am, and you have this moment where you're in a pit, but you begin to praise, and maybe your situation doesn't change, but your perspective does. And you say, actually, maybe this isn't the end. Maybe you think, oh, I've been let down by life. I've been let down by my family. I feel like I've been let down by my friends. I feel like I've let myself down. Am I just 
a letdown. God, how are you going to let me down as well? Because that's what everybody else is doing. I, I, I would wish, my hope would be that after today, you wouldn't just think of these songs as just tunes, but you'd keep them in your mind. You'd keep them on a playlist in your pocket and say, you know what, this is truth for me today. That you would say, actually, Lord, I know that you're never going to let me down. And that that would ring in our hearts. That we would not just live our lives thinking, Lord, I thank you that you've saved me from my sin. But my situation or my perception of it is always going to be like this. No, there is an option for us to praise God. For us to go from this moment where our head's feeling low and our shoulders are hunched over to say, but God, who, this is who you are. And this is who you say I am. So this is how I'm going to deal with this situation. And what happens is that even though the situation doesn't change, you begin to get stronger. That you be able to get through it because you've reminded yourself of who God is. And in that moment, he's reminded you of who you are. That when you're worried and you're anxious thinking about your future, thinking about exams, thinking about that situation at home, that you'd have some truths that rise up in your heart. That you say, actually, God, you do have a plan for me. That's the truth. Your plans are for good and not for evil. Where you feel let down by life, that you would remember, actually, Lord, you're, you're never going to let me down. That when you don't feel accepted and you're wondering who you are and whether you have to do that to fit in, you say, actually, God, I'm not who that person says I am. Even though I can still hear that insult ringing in my head, actually, Lord, I'm who you say I am. That these moments that we have here at DTI wouldn't just be moments for here, but they would create momentum in our lives. So I want to give it a moment for us who maybe you can relate with feeling like you're in a low moment. Maybe you can relate with feeling like you're in a pit. And it's like, how am I going to get out of this? And you feel stuck. You're like, how, how am I going to get out? That you would know today that there's a song for your situation. There's a song for what you're going through. And in a moment, what I'm going to ask is, when I say, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I just want to give people an opportunity to say, you know what, Tando, I feel like I'm in that low moment. But then the band are going to lead us in a song. And I'm just believing that praise is going to get us out of the pit. That praise is going to get us out of the pit. That the song for your situation, what the, the, the song for your moment, the truth that you need to, need to declare is going to bring strength. It's going to bring clarity. It's going to bring a, a God perspective on what you're going through. So all across this place, can we have a moment? Can we close our eyes? Just to give some people a moment of privacy to say, you know what, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like Joseph would have. I feel like I'm in a low moment. I feel rejected or I feel insulted or I feel insecure, insecure about this moment that's happened in my life. But God, I want to hear what your thoughts are on this. I want to speak your truth out. I, I, I need praise to get me out of this pit. I need to declare your truth, your word over this situation.
And the band are going to lead us in a song. And I love it. It just says, you're never going to let me down. And it goes over and over. And I think we need a reminder today that just like God didn't leave Joseph in the pit, that he's not going to leave you in this situation. That even though Joseph's life didn't necessarily get easier, that something happened. And we see throughout the rest of his life, if you read it, and you might hear about it over this weekend, that favor was on his life. He knew that God was with him. So that's my prayer for us today. I'm going to read this psalm and then the band are going to lead us. You can keep your eyes closed and your head bowed and allow these words to, to wash over you. Psalm 40. I'm going to read the first three verses. Just simply says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined, he turned to me, and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And if you're here this morning, you're like, actually, I feel like that's for me. I need a new song in my mouth. Then as the band begins to lead us in this song, I'm going to invite you to stand. And you standing is saying, you know what, God? I'm changing my perspective. I'm saying, praise, would you get me out of this pit? Thank you for saving me, Jesus. But I pray that you would give me a song for my situation. And right now, that song is a reminder that God will never let you down.